I describe myself as a serial co-founder. I love starting things. I've never started anything on my own. And what drives me is making impactful introductions. I love connecting people and ideas. Hello and welcome to the Centre for Entrepreneurs podcast series. The Centre for Entrepreneurs, home of the NEF Fast Track programme, is a leading entrepreneurial foundation. We support the entrepreneurial doers and makers who change lives and grow Britain. My name is Laura Campbell. Join me in this podcast series as I talk to the brightest and best of the entrepreneurial community. So I'm here today with Ollie Barrett, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Startup Britain, the UK 2011 national campaign to unleash entrepreneurship across the UK, and COSPA, which helps social action projects achieve greater returns, and the Rainmakers, venture and consultancy, which was who was once ranked Britain's most connected man by GQ and was awarded an MBE for services to business and entrepreneurialism in 2013. Here at the Centre for Entrepreneurs, we are extremely grateful for Ollie for all the services he does in helping to grow businesses and communities. He is a lifelong friend of our community. So, hi Ollie. Hi. Hello Laura, thank you for having me. No, it's great to speak to you. Um, welcome. I know it's a Tuesday afternoon and you're probably very tired, but can you tell me a bit about you? Well, I hope I don't look very tired, but it's very nice to be here. Um, I describe myself as a serial co-founder. I love starting things. I've never started anything on my own. And the sorts of things I've helped to start have included companies, campaigns, um, some of which are now charities in their own right or charitable ventures, social enterprises, a whole range of things. So I love helping people start things. And what drives me is making impactful introductions. I love connecting people and ideas. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. We're very, very lucky to have you today. Um, what started all this? I mean, what? what, what I know that's a, it's <laughs> I not like your usual career. <laughs> these symptoms. When did they first start to emerge? Um, well, when I was at, um, I was briefly at Edinburgh, and I dropped out after a term. And bizarrely, I went to become a, a red coat at Butlins. And for a listener who doesn't know what that means, um, probably best not to ask really. But what it is, is a holiday resort. And part of my job there was being what can loosely be described as an entertainer. But the, but the, but the bit I enjoyed, um, particularly, was meeting all the guests from all different parts of the UK. And um, it just sparked in me this love of meeting people, connecting with people. And then when I went off to Leeds University, I threw myself into helping organise things from radio shows to music theatre productions and it just gave me a bit of a buzz pulling things together, making things happen, working with a group in stark contrast to my passions for my studies I might add. So unfortunately on the bad side I didn't complete my studies, however I did throw myself into starting things. One thing led to another and before I knew it I'd started my first company and that was over gosh, over 15, nearer 20 years ago. Wow. Well, I, I just, it's not your usual career. Most people don't say to their careers advisor, what do you want to be? I want to be a super connector. It's, no. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a unique, it's, it's a very entrepreneurial career. No, it's funny, isn't it? I thought, um, I thought I might want to work behind the scenes in TV. So I worked on various shows at the BBC, actually. And the reason I wanted to think about that was because I thought if I did that, I would meet different sorts of people every day. And the funny thing is, I've now ended up doing that, but in a very different way. So now I host a podcast for the business uh, business in the community, the Prince of Wales's charity. And through my various different 
shenanigans. I do get to hang out with this incredible range of people, so I'm so I'm very lucky. But you're right, I didn't go to the careers advisor. In fact, when I did say anything like this to the careers advisor, they just told me everything was too competitive and I should think, you know, choose again, really. Oh no, they weren't the be realistic type, were they? Well, I think so. Bar's probably a... Oh, they're God. probably right, really. Um, <laughs> they, they would sort of say, you know, no, 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 no. That's got a big queue. Don't, no. don't go for that, you see. Nah, um, that's, that's never the route. We, you know, you should know this. You're the person who's always boosting everyone. Um, so, so, so can I ask you now, um, what have been the highlights of your career? Um, well, I don't know, really. I mean, I think, you know, it's very um, exciting, um, humbling when something you have started continues without your involvement. Yeah, and I, I think there is a sort of tendency to make oneself indispensable and that can make you feel very important and, you know, inextricably linked to a venture. And, and, actually, and actually the secret is make yourself, um, you know, completely redundant because then you can, in an organisation, you can be promoted as in if you, uh, if you become, um, you know, movable, um, I guess you can be promoted. But as a co-founder, it means you can escape um, to empower other people to build it. So that's a long way of saying I'm proud to have helped start Tenor because it's now Britain's largest schools entrepreneurship challenge. We hand school children 10 quid and they have a month to see if they can make money and make a difference. Wow. So 13 years on, I think over 300,000 school children wow. have taken part. Um, I met someone today who took part in it and is now a wonderful entrepreneur in their own right. Um, and, that, and that's exciting. That's um, That makes me... I suppose, proud and um, Tenor now has a little sister called Fiverr and 50,000 school children a year wow. do that. So I suppose things that carry on, I'm proud that Web Mission, which a group of us started, is now the clean and cool mission, taking groups of clean tech entrepreneurs to San Francisco and continues 10 years later. I'm proud that Volunteer It Yourself, um, where children fix their own youth clubs and community buildings, is now a fully thriving social enterprise and thousands of children have got a City and Guilds qualification through that. So, I mean, in a sense, the highlights have been being a part of the start of things which carry on um, and, um, and hearing firsthand how that's helped someone, I suppose, also is a, is a, is a boost. Well, I can imagine. I mean, if you think about it, you've had an impact on many lives. So I suppose what you're saying is you're, you're, you're proud of things you've had impact on. In, in a way, I think, um, again... I've always done it with, you know, co-founders, partners. Um, I think, you know, for me, it doesn't really matter how much money someone has made out of tenor or what their youth club looks like when they've finished a DIY project. For me, the interesting bit is how has that activity changed how they feel about themselves? And I am very motivated um, by helping to create interventions which change the way people feel about themselves. I think that's yeah. one of the most powerful things you can do. So when we did Startup Britain with number 10, I have honestly never encouraged someone to start a business. I think that's such a huge piece of advice either way. Mm. Um, I prefer somebody to come to that conclusion themselves. And when they've decided they want to start Ooh. a business, I'm with them all the way and, uh, and trying to support them. But I just feel if we could be a bit more thoughtful about how we support, encourage, um, nurture that environment where people can take risks with ideas, then um, yeah. that's what I'd like to see more of. Okay, so you're, you're a people builder as well as a community builder. Yeah, and that sounds horribly sort of motivational, doesn't it? And I don't certainly don't think of it in that sense. I'm just very conscious that I like bringing people together. I like being part of a team. I lack 
many skills, including great management ability, great ability to stick with the detail of something year on year. Um, and I'm at my happiest when I'm doing a variety of things. And I think knowing a bit about what makes you happy is, um, goes a long way. I think that's very true. And so um, where, where and how uh, did you learn to network so well? Well, I think a bit of it was at Butlins because every night you would actually have to what they call swan for a couple of hours. I've been doing it ever since some people would say. <laughs> so you would say, Laura, your job now is to swan between eight and 10. And that means meet the guests. Mutual. You've never smooth. met before, schmooze. Yeah, not smooch, no, that, was, that was technically bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although it did happen. Um, <laughs> me, of course. And, and before that, schmooze. I worked at Disney World in um, schmooze. It's nice. Is that your favourite yeah, word of the day? Schmooze, I like that. Good. That's got a bit of rock and roll to it. Hashtag. <laughs> yeah, hashtag schmooze. <laughs> and at Disney World, before that, again, meeting guests. Um, and I think when you help start something, it could be a radio show, it could be a musical at uni for me, um, very often you find yourself as the spokesperson. And so little by little, um, you know, I ended up sort of saying a few words at something. Um, you know, I think the big trick, which I sort of came to a bit later, was how to keep in touch with people. Because actually, when you think about networking, you think about schmoozing around with a business card or a glass of warm white wine. Actually, 90% or more of good networking is keeping in touch with people you already know. And uh, so yeah. it's those sort of techniques. Nurturing, the, uh, nurturing what you've got already. Exactly. And when, when I interview now great business leaders, one of the things they're proudest of, and you can see has helped them, is their ability to keep in touch with people from all around the world. So I think that, that, is, a, that is a secret which I'm, I'm sort of awake to now, and I'm still trying to perfect. But it would be the one thing I would say to someone is think about networks as people you already know, not people you don't know. So it's not about going out there and meeting new people. It's necessarily just nurturing what you've got already. Well, exactly. So it's a bit, I think a bit like cultivating a lovely garden, for example. You know, you have to tend it. You have to love it. You have to pay attention to it. You have to be thoughtful about it. And that's completely central to it. What ends up happening, of course, is you end up meeting new people through your network, through the people you already know. And that is a great joy as well. Well, uh, that's very good advice. So you're essentially saying that you, the best thing you can do in terms of networking is really just to know, know the people you know better. That's right. Get to know them. Get face to face. Lots, lots of times coincidences, uh, coincidences come from face to face conversation, the stuff you don't read on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook. So I'm a huge advocate of helping host events, helping bring people together face to face. And I, I do think the thing that sort of supercharges networks and, um, and networking, if you like, is helpfulness. Spotting something which you think could be useful to somebody else and sharing it with them. It could be a book you think they should read, an organisation you think they should know about. So I would say to anyone that if you want to really um, cultivate, if you like, the people around you, um, share useful stuff with them um, whenever okay. they come to your mind. It can be take just a few seconds, but it really does help. Just things that will make them happy, really. Is that it what you're saying? Yeah, it could be things that make them happy. It could be, Laura, I saw this and I thought of you. And it could be a new exhibition. Mm. It could be a lovely new word that I thought would appeal to your sensibilities. It could be um, a new opportunity of some sort. And I think it doesn't take long to think and share. And it can really light up someone's day. And, of course, behind the scenes, what you're actually doing is keeping in touch with them. That's so true, because I always think, um, even with your family and your friends, whenever you see them, you always see, if you see something out and about, for example, you're shopping for them or you're 
around Christmas, you see something that reminds you of them. And instantly that, that link is, is, I mean, they say in neuroscience it releases oxytocin or the, the neurotransmitter right. in the brain. It does. And it makes you happy. So essentially what you're saying is you, the small little links you're doing is just making everyone in your community a bit happier. Yes, including you. So it is, as you say, what's known as enlightened self-interest. You are helping other people. And of course, it's slightly selfish because it cheers you up as well. Kant, the philosopher, would love that. My, my, uh, my old uh, philosophy guys, you know, they'd sit there and say to you, it's not, it's not really doing good if you're, if you're getting joy out of it. <laughs> but I disagree with that because it's, I think it's an exponential thing, you know? Well, I certainly think there's something to be said for investing more time looking into really, really tough problems. And I think that if, if you get too carried away and do what you love, surf on this sort of rainbows and happiness, actually, when I think about it, and I'm not saying in any way I've mastered this, but actually quite a few of the things I've started have come as a direct result of encountering pretty challenging problems face to face. So um, You need hardship almost, is what you're saying. So don't do what you love, but do what is needed. I would say find what you love. And Ooh. find what you love comes through um, trying things, yeah. meeting people. I think too often we say, go and sit in that chair over there and have a good old think about what you love. And that would be about as silly as saying to a child who'd never eaten um, anything apart from, um, you know, baby food, go and think about what food you love and then taste it. It just doesn't make any sense. No, no, you're right. It should always be about expanding your horizons. And you can't do that if you you just keep doing what you've done before. That's right. And that's why if you think of life, you know, I think like life like snakes and ladders, the ladders tend to be in my experience, so that, uh, you know, everyone will have a different experience. The ladders tend to be people and, and books, funnily enough, um, in terms of that ability to really change the course of your life in some, in some small way. Anyway, very interested to hear what others think. No, that's so true. Um, so uh, why is it so essential to have a business network when you're starting a business? And what would you say to our listeners out there who'd say, you know, this is nepotism and, you know, what if you don't have a good network? What if you don't know people? How do you meet people? Well, um, I think it it helps to have enough, what I think of as an effective network for two reasons. Firstly, it helps you make things happen more quickly. If you have a group of people that you can turn to with a problem or a challenge or an opportunity, and they could be lawyers, investors, accountants, journalists, who are warm towards you or pleased when they get your email or call, I promise you that makes things incredibly easier when you're trying to make stuff happen. So for me, as a serial co-founder, it is a natural advantage to have a warm and effective network around me. So that's the first thing. It helps you make things happen. And the second thing is it does really help you attract opportunity. If you are in touch with a warm and effective network and they know your passions, they know the sorts of things you want to get up to in your life. For example, Laura, you might want to go to Japan. Um, Well, that's no good if nobody knows it. And when they do know it, they could share opportunities with you or articles or books or everything else. So I think that links to this point about communications, doesn't it? Don't be afraid to share where you want to go. If you think you're right at the start of the journey, I would say you are not um, because you actually, if you get out of literally get out of pen and paper and start drawing it out a bit, you do have people in your network, admittedly in your friends and family, possibly. Um, And I would say three things. Firstly, think about how you're going to keep in touch with the people you do meet. 
very often what happens is it falls through the cracks and you end up losing touch with all these people you have met. So that's the first thing. Think about how you're keeping in touch with people. That's why I always have a set of, for example, personal business cards, regardless of what venture I'm involved in, because that helps me keep in personal touch. And sometimes I don't know what to say, um, you know, um, this is my business card. I might just want to say, here's my personal card and it's nothing fancy, but it helps us forge that connection. So think about that personal connection. That'd be the second thing. And the third thing would be, don't be afraid to say hello to people. Don't be afraid to drop people a note if you genuinely admire what they're doing. It might sound like a strange habit, but I promise you, no, you no. get used to it. And that goes against the whole, um, you know, it means anyone can do it. So regardless of where you're from, regardless of what you do, Anyone can reach out to anyone. Everyone has the access to the internet nowadays. You can go online and find people. Completely. So if you go on ceoemail.com, it's free. You will see the emails there of pretty much every CEO for every large company uh, in the world. There's a there's a there's a type of connection. And likewise, you know, um, you don't have to ask someone for a coffee or a meeting. It might just be the first step. Is you know, dear team, I think what you're doing at the Centre for Entrepreneurs is really inspiring. I loved that event you had with Eric Schmidt and I wish you all the best. Simple notes like that have opened doors for me dozens and dozens of times. Because before you know it, you're corresponding and the next thing you know, you're meeting them. Okay, so it's just about being nice. <laughs> well, maybe being nice, yeah, I guess just, no. I mean, funny enough, I heard someone say the other day that in one particular African dialect, the word for hello means, translates as I see you. Noticing. So whether you're meeting, yeah, noticing. So noticing people, and it could be the person on the door, or um, you know, you know, doesn't matter. You know, doing the cleaning, whatever it happens to be. If you see people, and I think what I'm talking about in the emailing sense is that wider sense of noticing someone. And you don't have to be asking them for money or business. You're just saying, "Dear Laura, I see you. Oh, I notice really what true. you're doing." I think that's actually a problem we have today because everyone's sitting behind their phones. Everyone's sitting there behind their phones on the train. We've stopped noticing each other. Perhaps, um, you know, all this LinkedIn and everything, we're actually killing connections rather than making them. What do well, you say to that? Well, there's, there's an ironic twist, which I agree with, particularly because I think we can assume that by following all of these feeds and updates, we are up to date. Yeah. Uh, a little bit like glancing at these tips of icebergs. We think sure. we had the full... We have the full picture. It's the same with um, Instagram. You know, if you think you follow someone on Instagram, that they, you know that you're connected, but it doesn't actually work that way. It's the same with Facebook and all these things. I think that you know, building your connections is still very much a person-to-person -person thing. Would you not agree with that? Hundred percent, for many, many reasons. Um, you know, it's far easier for two people to change the way they feel by being in a face-to-face -face environment. That doesn't tend to happen for me online. And the other point about um, you know business connection is if you base all of your correspondence on what someone is publicly broadcasting you will miss the opportunity to collaborate them collaborate with them nine times out of ten because you're far too late you know they've already they're doing their public pr spin yeah rather than what they actually want well for whatever reason good or bad people tend to share stuff they are doing mm. or have done you're right yeah so it's a bit like asking we should ask everybody to rewrite their future CV. Yeah. Yeah, because that would lead us to far more coincidences and collaborations, yeah, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. And so I would encourage anyone to say, you know, I'm thinking of going to Japan. I am, by the way. Um, so am I, really random. Right. Well, that, <laughs> that's going to be. I think the whole that. world should go to Japan. <laughs> well, Team Japan. Well, <laughs> nothing to do with the Olympics, obviously. Uh, no, that's all in my head. <laughs> but, but I do think 
that those expressions, when yeah. I ask people to talk about their wildest ambition or someone they'd love to meet, strange things happen, coincidences happen. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Well, actually, on that note, I actually was speaking to someone yesterday and they were sending me advice about where to go in Japan. So you never know, a random coincidental link there. I'm not surprised at all. It's all started with a single conversation. If you could start your career again, what would you do differently? I would certainly spend quality time outside the UK earlier on in my uh, career. I've spent you know, brief spells in the US on a couple of occasions. However, I've only recently been to China for the first time. I spent a week in Shanghai and Beijing and I kick myself and I think, why weren't you exploring China 10 years ago? I've never been to Japan. I've never spent time in Russia. You know, there are so many parts of the world and I'm not suggesting I feel anchored to the UK. I just observe that 10, 15 years ago, I had much greater capacity to spend quality time in so many other locations. So that's the first thing. Um, on, a, on a terribly um, you know, whimsical note, I would have spent more quality time with my family members, particularly the older members of my family before they, uh, before they passed away. Um, I would have more clearly communicated the negative experiences of my early companies um, with the investors. At the time, I tended to have a habit of um, only telling them the good stuff and not going to them about the difficult stuff. Um, I would have found a way to include more trusted friends and colleagues as shareholders in some of my earlier businesses um, to really help them um, feel closer to those early companies um, that I was a shareholder in. Um, and I would have thought more thoughtfully and carefully about some of the investments and plans I was making for later on in my life and where I'd seen, and I'm not talking about large amounts of money here, but when I'd seen brilliant entrepreneurs doing brilliant things, I would have just been even more helpful to them, whether that was investing <laughs> a small amount or saying, what can I do to support you? Because no, I think those true. sorts of interventions just really pay dividends. No, that's so true. I mean, I, I, when you say uh, go abroad, do you mean on holidays or do you mean no, lengthy periods no, of time? No, I think, I think live to abroad? live, to work. You know, when we started Web Mission in 2008 with TechCrunch and Wired and The Telegraph, I had never been to San Francisco. And yet there I was co-organising a privately run yeah. trade mission to San Francisco. So, oh. uh, you know, th these things are possible. And, um, you know, we've got so much to learn in Britain from every corner of the world. And uh, um, I think to think that I've spent the vast majority of my years on a small island yeah. in the North Sea is, is a strange thought. Well, I've, I've never lived abroad and I'm, I'm 27. Is that too late? Never too late, of course not. Keep going. <laughs> so what would you say is your biggest mistake when you've been connecting to people? And how did you get over it? Well, I think all, all, the, all the time. I think hopefully not huge um, mistakes. I think introducing people is one of the most powerful things you can do. It's generous. It's helpful. Um, I think more clearly managing, um, explaining rather, how you know people when you introduce them is very, very important. Um, I had a habit of introducing a very dear and trusted colleague to someone I'd met the previous night, and that can go wrong. Um, just, just reflecting on that. Um, what? Why? Well, because your dear and trusted friend may assume that the person you are introducing them to is also a dear and trusted friend, mm -hmm. and in fact, because you've just met them the previous night, they could be some flaky fly-by-night 
merchant who ends up letting down someone very close to you. Yeah. So don't let that put you off introducing people. Um, just be clear about how you know the people you're introducing. Um, the second mistake, it doesn't lead to sort of grave um, sort of side effects, but I used to think I needed to be involved in the connections I made, whereas now I tend to put people together and Take step, step back. back and encourage yeah, yeah. them to, to, to do amazing um, things, um, you know, amazing things together. Do you think all this networking and um, building communities makes you a good judge of character? No, um, I wouldn't go that far. Um, I do think of them as slightly broader than business opportunities, though. I go to events for so many different reasons, you know, um, find things out, to cheer learn. me up, meet interesting people, <laughs> learn things. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I deliberately avoid ever saying to someone, what do you do? Firstly, because it makes you think, it may, might make them think you're judging them based on what they do. Um, sometimes people don't like what they do at all. Yeah. And you've just asked the one question that they didn't I, want to I, talk about. I totally agree. I mean, when, when you, I always think of it's like school reunions. First thing you go to, you go to school reunions and you say, so um, what's your name? Oh yeah, um, and what do you do? And I think, you know, that's instantly linking someone and reducing them purely to their job. Yeah. And people are so much more than that. Yeah. You know, their their hobbies, they're their families, they're their networks, they're multifaceted and yeah. interesting things. And I, it might sound a bit sort of cheesy, but I say, what's keeping you busy at the moment or something like that? And, and if people say, well, I'm getting into my job, but yeah. Sarchi and Sarchi, well, fine, bring it on. And often they'll say, oh, I'm going on holiday tomorrow. So the how you doing is too, uh, from Friends <laughs> and uh, Joey Tribbiani from Friends. Is that too far? No, I think that could be all right. It's a very personal thing. That's why I don't tend to give advice per se about techniques and specific specific words. It's sort of the end in mind is how do you make someone feel comfortable, I suppose, um, and how do you have an interesting conversation with them? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes that can start by what you offer them, mm. you know, which is why I always encourage people to say maybe two or three things about themselves. True. You know. I think it's also a variance often for communication is people are intimidated by the people. So what would you say to someone who'd say, you know, I can't go speak to that person because they're too important or that I'm, I'm not important enough? Um, well, it's, it's, it's an interesting question because that concern will often naturally occur within larger organisations if someone is of a, a very different rank or, um, you know, that's not the right word, is it? But you know what I mean, you know, level within an organisation. I would say... You bring many things to a conversation, and one can be curiosity, and it could be sincere um, admiration or interest in the subject. It doesn't have to be about you, and it doesn't have to even be about them. It could be about what brings you here. So for example, I might strike up a conversation with a panelist or a speaker by engaging them about the subject. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily there to talk about me, um, so I would say, um, you know, brevity can be your friend and, um, he says, rambling on. Um, and actually, they will give you the cues to carry on the conversation. So don't think you're going to have to get into this long, prolonged conversation. Pay them um, a sincere compliment about something they've said. Um, notice something about their organisation. Briefly introduce yourself. And um, nine times out of ten, these conversations go so much better than you ever expected. Um, so I think go for it. Just notice things. So the key to being a good networker is just noticing. It's being observant. One of the keys is being observant. It's also one of the keys to being lucky. True. By the way. 
Really? <laughs> yes, apparently. Okay. Apparently, Dr. Richard Wiseman tells us. Oh, that's very good. Good little bit of advice. Well, I, I mean, I hate the word networking. I mean, I think it sounds dirty. And do you know what I mean? People mm. are always like, oh, you're networking. I'm like, what, what does that even mean? Mm. I don't think it's that simple. I think it's when it comes down to it, we're very simple beings. We're humans. We need connections. We need, we need to be around other people. And, you know, that's, it's basic evolution. Well, you know, we humans are tribal, aren't we, in terms of our ancestry and uh, evolution and that's why when you start something and very often you are separated from your tribe wherever yeah. that might have come from and that's why entrepreneurs often seek out camaraderie solace laughter in peer groups um, and there are some great ones out there including the supper club including eo and ypo and ice and snowball and many others um, and um, you know everyone always says oh, it's very lonely isn't it being an entrepreneur it doesn't have to be does it no. uh, you know there are you groups be, out there you need to be part of something like the central entrepreneurs you know then yet fast track program i mean i i mean i mean, I, can, I, mean uh, I might be a little bit biased in saying that considering i do you're right know, i do happen to work for them but at the end of the day you know the ecosystem that we have i think is pretty unique and pretty amazing yeah. it's because you know it's just all people in the same boat same entrepreneurial ambition talking about things that are similar to to each other and you know growing with each other which is i think utterly amazing i agree and i think one of the things that fosters that in my experience from um, you know, fast track and the center for entrepreneurs is very often people approach the approach the program already with, um, if I can put it like this, a double identity. You know, they wear more than one hat, and in a funny way, that fosters this sort of sense of honesty, saying, "Well, look, this is who I am." Mm. You know, I'm doing this by day, <laughs> I'm doing this by night. You know, I'm discovering a new thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and that's quite nice because otherwise, you know, everyone sort of puts on a mask and pretends everything's fabulous. And yeah. They only have one dimension to them. And that's just nonsense. No, I, I think you're, you're right. You're right. Well, Ollie, I can say that as, as always is, has been an utter privilege speaking to you. Well, um, did so. Thank you, you for having me. You have uh, made me feel very at ease. You are the king of, I think, just being nice. Um, oh. So um, I think, I think what, we, what I've learned from my, all my interactions with Mr. Ollie Barrett, well, uh, MBA, MBE even, I should say, is that, um, yeah, the key to being a good networker is just to be ex extraordinarily nice. So thanks, Ollie. Well, thank you for having me, Laura. Nice to talk. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and think you have an entrepreneurial backbone, why not join our NEF Fast Track programme? Have a look at our website and social media for updates on this. If you wish to become a partner company or join the entrepreneurial ecosystem, why not come to one of our events? We very much look forward to meeting you.